you know, you don't have to act bigger than you are. If you're a smaller organization, a smaller brand, getting into the social space and growing your channel, you don't have to speak from the voice of all the other big brands in the space. Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor, Tristan Almada, the show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada. My next guest created a company called Malka Media, and he's been able to show how content creators and influencers can grow an influence and can grow their business. His name is Louis Kubrich. And if you look him up, you'll also notice that they recently sold Malcolm Media to a bigger company who also saw a similar vision. Now we go through this, this journey with him so that you can better understand what you need to be doing right now with your business to be able to touch a different audience and to be able to use your own influence to be able to see, well, where do I go on social media? What should I be focused on to be able to grow the business that I currently have? One thing you mentioned is don't act bigger than you are. Start small. That's okay. One-on-one -on -one is great. It creates deep connections. Join me on this one. Get ready to take some notes. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of Brilliant Thoughts, a Success Magazine podcast. And today I've got, who knew but my neighbor? Dude, you're in Santa Monica. I'm in Malibu. Right down the road. Louis Krubik. I mean, there's something in the name there. So Krubik, Krubik. But tell me about the background there, man. Jewish, Russian, 30 years ago. I want to know the story really quick. Yes, sir. So uh, to that point, it's it's Krubik. Um but there's always an option to adjust. Everyone does say crew big because um, no one actually wants to call out that word right at the top. Um, but, you know, my family came over in 1986, first immigration of Jews out of communist Russia in over 30 years. And so, you know, me and my brother grew up with the last name and we would pronounce it crew bitch. Um, but it's funny that you said that because just a week ago, he called me and said, look, someone who did the paperwork, our parents didn't speak English, the pronunciation of our last name to be crew bitch is subjective, right? You know, so our parents yeah. didn't really speak much English and, you know, we have an opportunity to go with crew big. We should take it, but let's see, let's see how that plays out. So you said ah, both, like you, you got one of them, right? It is crew bitch. <laughs> there you go, man. Thanks. All right. Let's, let's talk about your amazing media company, Malka. Where did the idea come from and who's involved with this with you? Uh, definitely. So Malka is at this point, 10 years old. I, I you know, 2022 was the 10 year anniversary. Um, I started my career at MTV networks, working on comedy central spike TV when it was still spike TV. Now it's paramount plus, um, VH1 TV land, all part of that ecosystem. But I was hiring agencies like Malka's on a consistent basis. We were producing custom content for all the movie studios that were hitting the spend levels um, to promote new film releases. And so all of the external vendors that we were using um, were kind of similar to what Malka at, started out being. Um, but in 2010, 2011, I'd say, you know, all of the prosumer 
cameras and equipment and technology and software started coming out to leverage content creation at friendly budgets, you know, and there was like the professional grade cameras that you traditionally shoot all your big commercial stuff on. And then in that 2008, 2010, 11, the DSLR cameras started coming out, the prices dropped, they became affordable for content creators. At this point, it's over a decade ago. So everybody has, you know, the C100s, the Canon series, the DSLRs. Um, But the point of entry into the space for me was affordable. And it was a time back then, and it's changed since, but it was a time back then where all of the brands were just getting introduced to con- to their content needs using video as in their sales strategy, keynotes with visuals and motion graphics and animations, but then also their social strategy. They were just tapping into Facebook and Instagram marketing. And back then, there was still a an aura in the space of needing high quality production value if you're a brand on social. Mm-hmm. And, and I'd say for the first four to six years of Malka, we leaned into that. Probably in 2018, 2019, the last four to five years, I think a lot of brands have understood that social and the digital space is content at scale and content at scale is very expensive. And so yeah. how do you make that affordable? You have to be comfortable with low production value, a lot of UGC content at scale. And so Malka over that time has kind of adapted to those changing needs but if we launched Malka today, we wouldn't survive. We would be, the point of entry now, it's saturated. Everybody can be a content creator. And, and you know, we might get into this later, but at the core of any strategy for any con- uh, brand is content. Regardless of the brand, at the core, it has to be content. Let's talk about that because most people listening in right now are entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, b- business owners, right? There's like 30, 30 million small business owners in the United States. That's who's listening in for the most part. And, and those people that are trying to make it, they're like, yeah, I want, I want to try this. So if you're saying you would come in right now and it would be more difficult to succeed with Malka, what would you focus on to be able to have a greater chance to succeed? What would that look like instead? It's what we're doing now. You know, it's focusing on strategy and purpose, mm-hmm. content with purpose, the content strategies that we're developing with our clients at scale. And, and our tagline has always been content at the speed of culture. How do we connect with that audience on a day-to-day basis, everywhere that they live? If you're going to have high production value content, it's going to get very expensive, like I said. So it's having a network of creators that support those content needs. You know, everything that we do is in-house, so let's just do more with less. The 200 employees, I call them 200 creatives, they're comprised of 30 editors, 25 graphic designers, motion graphics, uh, talent, um, our live stream departments all in-house, our shooters, all of the equipment, lights, camera, audio, the studios, the podcast studios on both coasts. We have the studios in Jersey City where headquarters is, podcast studios there. And then here in Santa Monica, uh, the full studio, everything in-house. That's what makes it more affordable. You know, So when we do need to run out and do a lot of the run and gun, keep, keep costs down, but leverage the external resources. The creators themselves that can you spend the money on the creators, right? Because the content will come with it. Mm-hmm. If you spend money on actually making the content, it's going to be, you need more budget. You need budget for distribution. The creators come with built-in distribution. So change the approach a little bit. And that's how we, we've we guided our, mm-hmm. our brands and our clients to adapt to that. 
And yes, it might at the core of it be using less of our resources, but that's where the focus on strategy and purpose is. There's value in understanding the why and getting that out. And then the content is pretty low budget. I like that, man. You spend money on the creators, which is very similar to how YouTube does it, right? They're like, you know what? Let's just give back the majority to the creators because we know that they come with an audience. Exactly. That's very smart. All right. So now we're looking at content distribution because you guys create the content and you distribute it, right? Email, social media. Yep. What is your main focus right now? If we're, if we're talking to the business owner of, of the United States and other countries, what should we be focused on as far as distribution so we're getting the best results right now? Develop your own channels because you'll always own them. And the creators will find value in developed channels, channels with their own audience as well. And at the core strategy of any brand, like I said earlier, is the content. If you have the ability to play the long game and and building channels is a long-term vision, do that. Your channels will stand up your marketing strategy no matter what. We just recently had a playlist, which certainly organized the content for the consumers. Um, and, and now the app works really, really well. I think the, the vision for what the content needs to do, which is inform, educate, provide all of the, 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 the users on what to do with their money. The new tagline there is for every time you money. And so you can go into the app, do anything you need around money, but you can also educate yourself. Financial literacy at the core of it is financial literacy. And so how do you gas that inside the app? Acquire a content company that at the core mission has, has kind of developed the machine and the workflow to run that content. But again, to the, to the first statement, the core focus there is the creators. Mm-hmm. The first thing we did was, was build a roster of creators, you know, financial literacy, content creators, creators like you actually. And that's kind of what I was saying to you earlier was the content that you're creating connects to the finance world, the real estate world, the world that's driven around economy, around finance, around money, um, you know, how to be good leaders, how to be good thought leaders, how to be good business people. Those are the types of content creators that we'd love to have in the app. And, and it's a good example. I love that, man. All right. So now you're talking about your own personal channels, people listening in. So are we talking outside of YouTube, outside of TikTok, outside of Instagram, or are we saying use those channels as well and build something else? What, what, what do you think, or how are you playing this? Great question. So for the last few years, I've been using a term called digital stacks. And, and the way we define digital stacks at the core is a content strategy that spiderwebs out into all of the platforms where all of the consumers are. You'll have an audience on YouTube for a specific purpose. And so the strategy the last few years when we stood up the network inside of Malka with the shows that we produce, Hot Boxing with Mike Tyson, All the Smoke with Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson, Kevin Garnett Certified, Heal Thyself is a health and wellness show that we do. All of those shows are anchored on YouTube with long-form programming. We also post all of those long-form episodes on, on the podcast channels. And so the strategy there is programmatic revenue everywhere you can get it. We develop franchise segments of those shows, short-form content, snackable content that we then post on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. We take it everywhere else. Mm. So we leverage the programmatic revenue model but also we have a sales team in-house that is selling all of these shows to brands and sponsors. And so we're turning on multiple revenue faucets for those creators. We're 
funneling programmatic revenue. We are maximizing the, the YouTube potential of, of programmatic revenue there. So we're doing all of that. Um, we're doing all of the production in-house and we're selling against it. We're doing all of the merch. We've taken our shows on the road. All the smoke now has done probably a handful of live episodes. We just did a live episode with Magic Johnson. Um, here, I, I was believe watching the, that. That was good. There you go. Yeah, that, that uh, premiered uh, yesterday. I think yeah, yesterday. So we shot that at the roof at the Waldorf. That was fun. But that's how we partner with the creators. Multiple revenue faucets. Turn them on on and off as best we can. Um, another good example with Mike Tyson. What we did for the Super Bowl last year was the mm-hmm. Lions Den. We did it for, uh, for Money Line, but it was a watch along of the Super Bowl with Mike Tyson. We had guests on, Brandon Marshall was there, Daniel Cormier, Brendan Schaub. We gave away $10,000 to viewers that were in the Money Line app as well. So live stream, you know, live stream brings much more value in terms of CPMs than traditional mm-hmm. YouTube, you know, kind of episodes. So we do try to do more and more of the live stuff. Morning Combat's actually one of our biggest shows that we do out of headquarters in Jersey city. That's a live show that we do for showtime on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And so that gives us more inventory, right? You know, you want lower thirds, you want some sort of custom segment integrations in a regular episode that just ARSP recorded that has its value, tremendous value. You want a live episode with 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 live concurrent viewers, the value goes up exponentially. And so um, we're trying to tap in more into live as well. Got it. All right. So now, now I'm, I have questions that personal questions are great. So thank you for going that way. I love this. Definitely. I'm looking at it. I'm going back and I'm taking notes and you mentioned that even though you have a digital stack, you anchor it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to understand the, the strategy behind that, because I'm taking a look at, at Malka on YouTube, but then I also see things like hot boxing with Mike Tyson, right? which is tied to your YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. I want to understand why anchor it on YouTube just so that people understand the reasoning behind it. I say this a lot to the team. It's tough to change consumer behavior. And so YouTube is used as a Google uh, and same with TikTok, right? So the most eyeballs live on YouTube. And so that's where we can put that hero episode and anchor it there and strategize there. If there's another platform that can deliver as many eyeballs and as much programmatic value, it could be additive to the formula. It doesn't have to replace YouTube in a sense, because just like the audio files, you place the audio files on Spotify and there's programmatic revenue, but also on Apple Music and Amazon and all the other pod platforms. It's the same type of concept. I know what you mean, because when I was I was talking to Daryl Eves about two months ago, the guy who mentors Mr. Beast. Mm-hmm. And he's going deeper on YouTube. He's like, here, this is why we go on YouTube. You see, you see all the back end stuff. You see the reasoning. It's the it's the number two most visited website in the world, but the number one, right? Anytime you go to to video, right? So I see the strategy behind it. I want to know now, since you're anchoring it with YouTube, what does this look like after? Like you started to talk about, yeah, we've got this longer form video right? We've made it into a podcast. Now we're distributing it, uh, cutting it up, right? And then putting it onto TikTok, Instagram, and everywhere else. What about Facebook and newsletters? How do they play in? And are you putting any money behind it? It's like like $100, $1,000, $2,000 behind an episode. And where's the money going? Like, how's that strategy look? Got it. So 
we put money behind some episodes on certain shows. You know, the the difficulty with putting money behind episodes on shows that you do every single week, and most of our shows are are 48 episodes a year and weekly. Wow. Is that you got to keep doing it. You know, if you do it for one, it's real reach, right? You know, you're you're yeah. promoting that people are clicking and they're watching the episodes. That's valuable. But then you got to do it the next week. And so your budget kind of has to make its way through the whole season. Where we see benefit, though, is when we do have brand sponsors mm. that come in and they'll line on those budgets with the brand sponsors. We, we see benefit there. Some of our shows have newsletters. You know, Mike has has a newsletter that's behind a paywall on his personal site. Mm-hmm. Um, so he uses it for that capacity. And there's some kind of raw, unedited content that we put or that Tyson's personal team puts behind this is his website paywall. Heal Thyself has an amazing newsletter. We haven't leveraged it to monetize though. You know, Heal Thyself with Dr. G, I call him our generation's Dr. Oz. It's very important that we're very honest and organic and transparent with all of the information that he puts out. He does product reviews on different products. You know, he talks about every aspect of healthy living for men and women. You know, he'll talk about even like how to get a good, clean, safe air fryer to eat, to, to use, um, yeah. hair quality and uh, women's hygiene products. He goes into everything. But at the core of his message is transparency from the brands to make sure you know how the, how the products are made, what ingredients are made with, how they're transported how they're stored. You know, Christian talks heavily about the fact that there's a lot of healthy products on Amazon that are great to use, but the way they ship those products, how they're stored in very hot shipping containers, but then they're stored in very cold environments when they get here in warehouses, there's different elements that could change kind of the quality of products. And so in his newsletter, that's where we connect to that audience in a very organic way. And so we're very specific with how we monetize that type of stuff. But the beauty about Christian's channel, he's one of our smallest shows in terms of, of, of viewership. On the audio side, he does great numbers, about twenty five to 35,000 listens per, per episode. On YouTube, the numbers are low, but his audience converts. He's made nearly a million dollars of sponsor revenue in the last year mm-hmm. solely because the small audience that he has is so committed. They listen to him, they believe in him, and they trust him. He moves product way better and some of our other bigger shows that double, triple the metrics with some of our big celebrity names. Mm-hmm. But he's, you know, he's a micro influencer, 250,000 on Instagram, but it's honest. And, and, and he makes sure that any brands that come in, he's very selective. We can make even double the amount of revenue if he said yes to everything, but usually he doesn't. So tell me about the process for shopping the brand. So let's say we go to Dr. G here, Heal, Heal Thyself, and he's done... He's done one episode that talks about like the air fryer. You just did, right? Our air fryer is safe. Do you go and shop that episode or is it more along the lines of who wants to sponsor as a brand, the whole Heal Thyself brand? What does that look like? So it's funny, the, the, the fryer episode we did without any sponsor involved. And after we put it out, we had a few different companies who make air fryers reach out to say, hey, you could use our air fryer for this. Dr. G says this, this, and this, that fits with us. And so we've done that a few times after the fact where we'll talk about a topic and then the products that live in that space, they call us and try to get integrated. We've talked about products just as many times. And we've had, you know, Christian has had, you know, some critical feedback on the products, honest feedback, and the CEOs call them direct. And they try to justify why he's wrong. They try to yell at him. They try to threaten him with lawsuits. 
the best brands call him and try to talk it through. They say, hey, you said this and this. We stopped doing that. We do this and this now. We've had companies send us their ingredients reports and like ratings from the FDA and other organizations to try to support their statements. And Christian very fairly reviews it. He'll review it if it's fair and justified. We'll do an updated piece of content that says, hey, we got the reports from so-and-so brand. They actually changed the way they've been making these protein bars. So now they're a little better for you to have. Still not the best because there's a lot of sugar or this product here is derived from this plant that has a lot of pesticides. He gets very deep with it. So That's so cool. It lives on both sides of the pendulum. You know, brands will be very concerned with the feedback. Certain brands will hear it be like, oh, that's great. This guy loves us. Let's send him a bunch of stuff and let's start sponsoring the show. I like that. And now, usually, though, the brands are chosen before, like the, the sponsorships, before the episode hits or before before any show starts growing. How does that work? That's just for me to know. Yeah. Uh, so the sales team, you know, we sell to all of the brands that we think play in that space. The product review segments, they're scheduled and produced just based on, you know, when the ideas are coming up in our weekly kind of ROS meetings. But any brand that comes in, they send us the product. They send us the breakdown of ingredients. Christian has a, a list of questions that you know we answer for him on those products because the last thing he wants to do is push a product that doesn't fit with, with his mission. So we do get the products ahead of time. The sales team does deep, deep vetting specifically on this show because of how often he says we can't do it. You know, Interesting point here, we don't make any programmatic revenue on Heal Thyself on YouTube or the audio po- uh, podcast platforms. We had to turn off the programmatic monetization because they started getting ads from Starbucks, from McDonald's, from brands that Dr. G wouldn't support. Yeah. Yeah. And so fans started reaching out. They were like, Hey, how do you have a McDonald's ad before your episode starts? And Christian's calling me. Yeah. He's calling me freaking out. Like, Hey, why are you guys promoting that? I'm like, we're not. It's the programmatic ads that are being inserted. We'll We'll shut it off completely. And so, you know, for us, it's difficult because that show lives entirely off our sales team we produce it fully in-house but the good news is you know birch mattresses he sells a lot of those and and they keep coming back (laughs) nice man i like that all right so tell me malka 2023 what's what's the goal here as uh, now you have a bigger team right yeah what are you guys guys focused on what's the vision so you know the malka specific vision it's it's funny you asked we just had a town hall two weeks ago um and we spoke about it now the focus on, on that part of the business is how do we combine all of our superpowers and take a service or product to market that combines you know all three of the of the companies in the portfolio, all three of our superpowers, and take that to market. So now yeah. you know we're focusing on developing that. That's going to take a couple of quarters to 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 build out a vision. But the Malka legacy business is hasn't been in a better spot. Our sports agency. We we just signed our biggest draft class yet. We have six athletes going into the NFL draft. Our network, I mentioned all of our network shows are award-winning. All the smoke was iHeart Sports Podcast of the Year in 2021 and, and nominated in 2022. Morning Combat, um, the the MMA Awards, which is like the SBs for, for the MMA uh, uh, world. We won Sports MMA Podcast of the Year, back-to-back Ooh. years. So we beat out Ariel Hawani, Joe Rogan. Um, Daniel Cormier and the show he had with ESPN. So very proud of where the network is. We just signed Tony Hawk and Jason Ellis. So we're doing their show here at the studio right over here. 
Nice. And Jason's doing his show with us, but he's doing that from his house. So the network stood up in a great place. And now on the Malka side, the core of our business, the creative content studio, mm-hmm. um, I'd say probably around 70%, 75% of the business, we have a model, land and expand. We've landed the clients that we want to grow with, and now we need to expand into those organizations. That's so our good. biggest our biggest clients, and, and we have 30 to 50 different brands working with us, but if we were to focus on our seven-figure clients, the ones that have consistently spent over seven figures with us on a yearly basis mm-hmm. over the last five years, it's Amazon, our biggest client, Showtime, second biggest, uh, ADP, L'Oreal, Deloitte, a lot of, you know, those I say are core focuses, those half dozen brands where we've built pods of service for them and we want to expand those opportunities. And so what is has really gotten exciting, I kind of alluded to it earlier with the live streaming of shows is the live streams that we started doing with Amazon just this past year are growing. And, and to take a step back on the Amazon relationship to give you some context, we started working with Amazon in 2015 or 2016. We created the first ever branded, unbranded documentary on Amazon um, with Acura. It's called This Is What We Make. So, for, you know, traditional production services around a documentary. We created it. Um, it was supposed to be, you know, unbranded, but supported by Acura. We grew that relationship and have tapped over a dozen business units within that, you know, that org. And there's so many more to go, but the resources that we provide speak to the Swiss Army knives that our company has in it. You know, everyone from the beginning that we've hired is a multifaceted talent. All of our editors shoot, all of our shooters edit, graphic design team, they do motion graphics, animation, 2D, 3D animation. We did AR, VR videos. We did a VR video with LeBron James a couple of years ago for the um, LeBron James Family Foundation in Akron. And last year, we started doing live shows for Amazon Music. Uh, initially, it was, it was eight weeks of Thursday Night Football series presented by Two Chains. They had concerts with Little Wayne, Kane Brown, Meg Thee Stallion. But uh, we, we streamed the pre-show hosted by Hannah Rad and Amber Wallen. We did that for them. That developed into us doing a series with them called City Sessions, which probably think about like MTV's Unplugged, super intimate, super authentic musical performances by Jelly Roll. We're doing one with Sam Smith in a few weeks. We did about, you know, just under 10 of those last year. They're looking to do 15 to 25 this year. So we're super excited about that. We did an album release party stream for Lizzo with them. Um, and so the live stream part of our business in the last two years, ever since the pandemic hit has just been, you know, a hockey stick, just, just going up. And I think, um, what was really cool we did in November with them on the live side, uh, young blood, we went to the sunset strip and we did three concerts in three different locations, all in the same night, all live. Uh, and so we went to, we started off at the Viper Room and then the Roxy and then Whiskey Go-Go. And mm-hmm. he literally, we, we, we started the first one. He did a whole a 30 minute set with the camera team and all of the crazed fans behind them walked out of the building, down the Sunset Strip, Mayhem, our crews are filming, walked into the next location, hopped up on stage, new crowd, another 30 minute set, topped off, final location to close the show, new crowd. So that's a lot of fun. Um, very cool stuff that we're doing. You know, so cool. the, the live stuff, I think, for 2023 is certainly a focus. Um, but also, you know, not necessarily going out and getting brand new logos, 
but expanding the relationships that we do have. We're in a position where we don't have to be, for lack of a better word, as desperate as we were in our growth stages in the first four to six years. We can be very selective with our projects now. You know, one part of it, we want to make sure they support the bigger business, the, the focus of our parent company as well. Um, but all of the legacy clients, regardless of their connection to our parent company, we want to be able to provide them more resources. So that's what the team's focused on. Very cool, dude. All right. So now let's go back to the smaller businesses that are starting up or or that are looking to grow mm-hmm. or even the bigger ones that are already established, but aren't really using social media to be able to to reach a lot a lot bigger audience. Where would you say that that a company needs to focus on when it comes to social or or even online? Like if if you're going to give some advice and say, hey, this is what I think you should be doing, what would that be? You know, you don't have to act bigger than you are. If you're a smaller organization, a smaller brand, getting into the social space and growing your channel, you don't have to speak from the voice of all the other big brands in the space. They don't have an ability to connect with the consumer in in a one-on-one way, in a very intimate way as you may have, you're in a position where you can probably comment back to everyone that comments on your posts, all of the DMs that come in, the engagement that you can kind of triangulate around your socials in the early stages is much deeper connection points than as you scale and get much older. And so use that to your benefit. And don't get caught up in needing it all to look beautiful and commercial level. The low production value, the UGC stuff these days, that could last, you know, your entire, the life of your entire brand. You don't need to get to that level until you really need to. I like that. What would you say would be a good social stack that people should start with? What do you mean by social stack? So starting with YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, or just skip Instagram, go to YouTube and TikTok. And then and then after that, are we going to add email as a newsletter? Do we go on Google and still do blogs for SEO? What, what does that look like starting with social? I love TikTok and YouTube because of how searchable they are. Um, and the fact that they kind of act like a Google. Instagram as well in certain components. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the stack that I think is is very strong. Go to where all of the eyeballs are mm. um, yeah. and they can find you. You can be found there. The newsletters are very important, you know, but you got to build those distribution lists. So you got to expand um, the blogs, the SEO, also very important. Um, but I, I, I love TikTok, especially these days. The, the for For new brands, the algorithm favors the new brands, you know, so for brands building channels on TikTok, they're seeing a lot of success. It's a lot easier to build a brand channel on TikTok than it is like a personal one. And I think the algorithm supports that. So that's the stack. Yeah. Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. I like that. That's a really good stack. Are you guys now investing money on Facebook anymore or did you just completely jump out? We jumped out, you know, a couple of our shows, might see some benefit from Facebook. To us, it's an older audience. Um, it still converts heavy for brands. And if you have paid, there's a lot of, I think, value in paid on Facebook. For us as an organization, uh, as and a network on the Malka side, we we haven't given attention to Facebook um, 
really much at all. We, we've kept our focus heavy on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Nice, man. I like that. So when, when people come and work with you guys, what what do they say after as being the reason they enjoy working with you? The opportunity. You know, we if you put in the work and you have the work ethic, we've been notorious to giving talent opportunities way faster. You know, you you get to scale within the organization, like you showcase your, your creative abilities, mm-hmm. you will be put on some of the more glamorous projects, the bigger budget stuff, you will grow very, very fast. And so I think the, the talent that we've been able to retain and that has stayed with us years over years has been the talent that has saw the fruits of their labor. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our, our first ever employee still works for us. Um, wow. With our first 12 employees, I'd say eight of them are still with us. Our first 20, probably 12 to 15 out of our first 50, like 30 to 40. Um, and now out of the 170, I can think about, you know, when I think about our business, it was my, I started in my apartment. I had me in the living room and there was an intern sitting on the couch behind me. He later turned into our first employee 10 years later. Um, he's still a full-time editor for us. Uh, great creative joined the national guard. So he's doing a lot of service, which we appreciate. Um, but the first big boy stu- like office that we got uh, in Hoboken, New Jersey, it was a coat factory from the 50s. It burned down uh, in the last two years. It, it's not even there anymore. Um, but if we grew to about 30 to 40 people in that office and then we went to our, our space in Jersey City, out of those people, I'd say 25 are still on this team. You know, at, at the core of it, our, our senior leadership team has all been with us five, six years. Um, and we've yeah. hired, yeah, we, we've hired three to five new employees every, every month for the last six years, you know, to get to, to, to 170 to 200 employees in 10 years, you know, we can do the numbers on those averages, but you know, when the pandemic hit, we scaled even more, we tripled the size of our live stream department. Um, we, we didn't go through, yeah. Any layoff exercises, um, at the, at, at, when the pandemic started. So We've been lucky enough to to get through our first 10 years without needing to do any of that. Nice. Unfortunately, with the economy in December, early December, we did have to go through a small exercise like that. But everyone is at, at this point with with where the where the economy is, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's definitely a little bit harder right now. So when we're looking at the creators now, yeah. when when they work with you, why do they choose to work with you? What, what is the opportunity they see in working with you? True partnership. It's a one-stop shop, A to Z. You know, I look at it as record label services, the old school record label services mm-hmm. for, you know, musical acts. They own the IP with us. And so the costs, mm-hmm. like we take on all the costs, we recoup on all costs, of course, but if we can't recoup, the talent doesn't take on those costs, we do. But that's why we have the sales agency in-house, the sales team that sells all the shows. So they're getting all of the marketing support, all of the social cutdowns, all of the new franchise IP, custom segments, booking of the guests, ROS development. We want our talent and the creators that work on the franchises we develop. All they got to do is think about creative. Don't worry about any other part of it. There's so many creators out there that have to deal with making the content, doing the edits, putting it out, engaging with the audience. When do they have time to truly be creative and be creators on what they do? 
we want to be able to provide that to them. And so that's what I think has been the excitement around it. You know, Dr. G, he had a successful personal Instagram before us, but we launched his show when we moved to LA three, four years ago mm-hmm. and have grown into what it is. Um, but there was no way that for the first two years, he could have taken on the cost of doing this show. Um, there was no way. And we didn't make any money on his show in the first 12 to 16 months. But podcasting, as you know, is a long-term game. Um, and so finally, he's at a place where he's very, very happy. Um, and most of our shows at this point that we are greenlighting are coming with existing audiences. You know, if we talk about the three shows we greenlit for 2023, um, Dope is Yola is, is with Thomas and Marty. They already have three different YouTube channels with over a million subscribers. And Ooh. so this type of digital series uh, could only pour gas on that. Tony yeah. Hawk and Jason Ellis was the same thing. Um, last year, we launched Kevin Garnett, came with an existing kind of fan base. So for people just getting into the space, yes, just start doing it and start doing it consistently. Cadence and consistency is the most important thing. Do not stop. And I promise any podcast that's just getting launched, expect it to take a year before you're pleased with any sort of metrics, any sort of metrics, at least a year. If it's faster, then you have something on your hands. Uh, If it takes longer, you can still have a successful property. It's not easy. All right, man. All right. So everyone, where do we go follow you? Louis? Louis Krubish. L-O-U-I-S-K-R-U-B-I-C-H at Instagram mainly. Shoot me a follow. I try to follow everyone back. My profile is private though, Uh, but that's where you can follow me mainly. All right. And then Malka Media on Instagram too, right? Yes, sir. what are what are you excited about for this year? Anything personal on a personal level? On a personal level, yeah, I'm excited to keep building with the partnership with Moneyline. You know what we're doing with them is extremely innovative. Um, it's certainly a balance with what we do day to day at Malka, um, but the team behind there, I think, has set us up to to be in a position to succeed in this market, um, in this space, and I think the direction that the Moneyline product and app is going speaks to the direction that, you know, society is going content consumption, creators at the core of, of what brands are doing, especially content. So excited to keep growing that. And then, like and that. yeah, yeah. You know, working on a few other things that we just don't want to talk about yet, but we're in development on a few <laughs> unscripted. Secret. Yeah. Documentaries. Um, you know, we do docs also. The last doc we did is this one behind me with Tua and that premiered on Fox the first year of the pandemic. And so with the pandemic, we kind of, we stopped doing a lot of unscripted long form. We averaged about one a year uh, for the last 68 years. And then after the pandemic, we did Tua and then kind of calmed it down to see how we navigate this new space. But in 2023, we're excited to get back at it. We're working on a very cool WNBA documentary that I can't talk about too much, uh, but it's very exciting. It's in partnership with the WNBA. Um, So we're eager to get that off the ground. Um, and then there's uh, a potential Ray Lewis project that's in the works as well. So we'll see where that goes. That's cool, man. Lewis, thank you so much, man. I appreciate the time. Thank you, Tristan. Appreciate it. Those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a review or just tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.